Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am Chloe Skye. I'm Sarah Gorski. We have Jupiter with us again. You guys yeah. remember Jupiter from the last couple episodes. Jupiter, say hi. Hello, I'm Jupiter. I am still here. I'm still standing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so today I am bringing a, a super, super amazing broad. Uh, have, have either of you heard of Sadie Tanner Mossel Alexander? <laughs> No, and that name is so intense. I know, I was right? Say, I might have, but I probably stopped listening. <laughs> okay. Well, Sadie Tanner Mossel Alexander is best known as the first African American woman to earn a PhD. Whoa. Okay, okay I'm going to learn her name. I'm Uneducated her name. broad. Super educated. Um, she was born in Philadelphia on January 2nd, 1898. So like right at the turn of the 20th century uh, to an attorney, Aaron Mossel and Mary Tanner Mossel. And she was the youngest of three children. But her, her entire family was like really academically inclined. Like if she didn't become the first African-American woman to earn a PhD, I feel like she would have been a disappointment. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> no pressure, fam. No pressure. Right. Like her 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 dad was the first African American period to earn a PhD. He Whoa. was the first African American to earn a law degree. Uh, her grandfather was like a well known bishop at the local African Methodist Episcopal Church. He actually baptized Sadie with uh, water from the River Jordan. Jeez. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Christians really care birth. about that. Christians care deeply about that Oh, news. absolutely. How do you get that water? Well, they, like, sell it. Oh, like, like my, it's on the my, internet? My grandma has, like, hundreds of bottles that she just bought in bulk and will send them out to family members when they have a baby. Because she's like, you well, it's, just take it's important to... <laughs> This is the water. This is official <sighs> Jesus water. Your grandma wow. sounds really intense, Chloe. She's super intense. Yo, she should, she's a broad you should know. <laughs> my, my family's very intense. <laughs> oh, damn. But Sadie Alexander's family is intense in a different way. That's like a she, whole family of firsts. Her and her dad, both firsts for African-Americans. Yep. That's incredible. Uh, she had an uncle who was a famous painter named Henry Ossawa Tanner uh, and owned the house that she was born in. Uh, another one of her uncles, Nathan Mossel, was a physician and surgeon who founded Mercy Douglas Hospital in Philadelphia. Whoa. And then her aunt, Dr. Haley Tanner Johnson, founded the Tuskegee Institute's Nurses School and Hospital. Whoa. That is like some f serious family legacy shit. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a whole lot to live up to. And her father abandoned the family when she was a year old. Uh, oh, geez. Wait, like Mr. Minister abandoned his family? No, not the minister. That was her grandfather. Oh, grandfather. Her father was a lawyer. Oh, and, that makes more sense. <laughs> and he abandoned the family when when she was a year old. Uh, her mother like lost her status. It kind of brought shame to the family. Oh. She was at, before that. She was the wife of the first African American to graduate from University of Pennsylvania Law School, and then he left, and she was just like a divorcee. Hell no! You know, hell no. Early nineteen hundreds. No, you know how that shit works. If it weren't for her, he wouldn't have been that. You're right. I know. You're right. Oh uh -uh. my god, that's what wrong. an asshole. She right. deserves a severance package. Yeah, and I didn't find any more information about him, and I'm like, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he died in obscurity. Thank right. goodness. <laughs> I do hope so. So when she was old enough to attend school, her mother sent her older siblings to live with their uncle, Louis Baxter Moore, who was 
also the first African-American to earn a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, and Whoa. then he was serving as the Dean of Education at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Yes, Howard! So, this family, this family is through the roof accomplishments. And Wait, was the grandfather who was the first to get the degree, was um, that her mom's side or her dad's side? Her... Does it say? Like, I secretly no, hope it's the... all her mom's family and that her dad is just a fuck off. I could probably figure it out using like last names, but at the same time, it looks like okay. everybody's everybody's going by Mossel. Um, the ah. the grandfather who was a bishop was her mom's father. Mm. Okay, okay. Um, and I'm assuming that most of these family members are on the mom's side because when the dad left, it'd be weird for all the uncles to like take in the children if it was. But not maybe that, not. Not that maybe weird. Not. Yeah. Maybe like, no, we got to do this because our brother fucked up. Right. So now we got to pick up the slack. It like kind of yeah. depends, depends on the family honor. <laughs> True. True. It's like, well, we'll take care of my brother's kids because he won't do it. Yeah. 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 Well, she made numerous trips back and forth from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C., which disrupted her schooling to the point where she never finished a full semester for the entirety of elementary and middle school. Whoa. Like, but it doesn't seem to have held her back in any way. Uh, it seems that it has helped. That's how you get smart kids. <laughs> yeah, Stop never it. never finish a semester, kids. Don't Please don't take that advice. That's experience. Oh, That's no. Kids experience. do listen to this podcast, Chloe. We can't say that. I know. I know. No, you should finish your semesters. <laughs> Go to school, um, everyone. Go to school, please. But also, if, it's you know, important. Sadie, she's she's a someone to look up to and aspire to be like. Like, she, look how much school she did. Yeah. You'll see. She um, sounds like the bright shining star. She attended the legendary all-black M Street High School, which is now known as Dunbar High School in Washington, D.C. She said that the students there were constantly exposed to talks by graduates who served as living examples of what was possible if they applied themselves. Like, guest speakers at her high school included Booker T. Washington, W.E.B. Du Bois, Mary Church Terrell, and Coleridge Taylor. Whoa. Like, some of, like, the... It's like all-star team... Right. <laughs> like icons yeah. of black accomplishment in America. And so she loved her time in DC and, and she assumed like she spent so much time there that she'd be attending Howard university for college because mm-hmm. her uncle is the Dean and he's like bringing in all these cool speakers. And then her mother insists that she move back to Philadelphia and go to university of Pennsylvania instead. And mm. she says she recalls throwing a tantrum to attempt to change her mother's mind she said, I jumped up and down on the bed trying to break the springs. I cried and she just she just let me alone. Well, in my day, you didn't do what you wanted to do. You didn't do your own thing. You did the thing your parents told you to do. So on to the University of Pennsylvania, I went. Dang. That's some cold shit. But I don't know. I guess it's all in the family. I don't know. I don't know what the yeah. why it has to be that. I school, guess there are probably was- other reasons we don't know about. But. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that makes me think that the uncle was on the dad's side, the the dean of Howard. Mm. Like, but but then at the same time, her father went to University of Pennsylvania. So following your father's footsteps. Maybe it was like a family legacy thing. Hmm. I'm just speculating wildly. <laughs> speculating wildly. Sometimes we do that. At least we say, though, that we're doing that when we do yeah. it. Um, so... When she goes to University of Pennsylvania, she faced extreme racial prejudice from students and faculty alike, not necessarily surprising in early 1900s, but she says 
Not one woman spoke to me in class or when I passed them on the walks to College Hall or the library. Can you imagine looking for classrooms and asking persons on the way only to find the same unresponsive person you asked for directions seated in the classroom which you entered late because you couldn't find your way? Wow. So let's imagine you came from outer space and entered the University of Pennsylvania School of Education. You spoke perfect English, but no one spoke to you. Such circumstances made a student either a dropout or a survivor so strong that she could not be overcome regardless of the indignities. Yes, I like the last part of that quote. And the first part of it, it makes me sad. I know, but she just... White she people was like, continue to be the worst. Yeah. Always. Uh, throughout history. Throughout and, history. And, and continue to today deny it was ever like that. Well, maybe that if we don't tell her where the classroom is, she'll just quit. Right. <laughs> it's so stupid. So stupid. She also says she was unable to check out library books or receive a hot meal anywhere on or off campus because none of the lunch counters served black people. Ooh. So all of the black students uh, relied on sack lunches from home. Oh, wow. Uh, her second semester, she was invited. Why did her mom do this to her? Like at, H- like at Howard, it would have been not that way. It probably wouldn't have been. Because like, it's a black university. W- I don't know. Maybe she thought like if you face struggles, it'll make you stronger. Whereas if you Ugh. go be at the place where your uncle is the dean, like you'll be coddled and won't work mm. as hard. I don't know. I don't like know. It, that's kind of a fucked up thing to do regardless, but maybe that was the intent. But she persisted, but she, she, she sure did. In. Yeah. Um, her, like her second semester, she was invited to a school of education sponsored tea and each student was supposed to bring sandwiches. Uh, but then on the invite list, someone had crossed out sandwiches next to her name and wrote in a jar of olives. And that's like some weird racism. I don't even understand. What? Like, because like, olives are to... black. I don't know. Is or that just like, like a black cheap? joke? Or just we can't expect you to bring sandwiches. Like only white kids can bring sandwiches. I don't even know what that is. That's confusing. That sounds like the stupidest racism I've ever heard in my life. I know. And she said, "Well, I just brought sandwiches of such beauty you cannot destroy, and they were a hit." And for, yes. for the rest of her time at school, students would come and, like, beg her to bring her sandwiches places. <laughs> they were like, your sandwiches are the best sandwiches, and can you please, like, grace our event with your sandwiches? Oh, my and God. She said she, she said she only brought them to an individual organization that she felt deserving. Wow. Yes. I so hope then, that yes. Olive's motherfucker, like, yeah. <laughs> I hope they died in obscurity, too. <laughs> I hope they were buried covered in olives. So fucked. Maybe olives. that's a weird thing to wish for somebody, but it's of course now I'm kind of hungry for olives. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> Ew, <Chloe>. no. <laughs> what Jupiter? Holy I am not about the olives. I'm not a fan either. Come uh, on, not the yeah. not the green ones, not the black ones. Is there I a difference? Don't do they feel like different? I know either of you anymore. <laughs> we'll have to do another podcast episode about just on this. olives. Okay. <laughs> Thanks to Sater T- City Tanner Mossel Alexander, we're talking olives on um, hey, the next broadly speak. She got influence. By her sophomore year, people were kind of accustomed to her, and her teachers started to expect that she would excel academically. Mm. Uh, this is also the year she started her crusade for civil rights. Mm. Um, she scheduled a meeting with the provost of the university to ask for him to use the power of his office to provide a food venue on campus for black students yes. and also to label eating places that refused Penn students as off bounds to all Penn students in the future. Yes. Did he do like, it? 
He did not. Wait, what's a pivot? Wait, I, I, I need some definition words. What's a pivot? Up the provost. The provost. Who that is? That's the university guy. That's like the dean. That's like the guy, like administrative head of the school. Yeah, it's a high up person with power at a school. Okay, and the what's a Penn student? Someone who is a student at Pennsylvania University or University of Pennsylvania. Oh, that's just the cool way of saying it. Penn, Penn State, Penn. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Pennsylvania shortened as Penn. Who says Penn? People who go to Penn State. People really? who live in Penn. Yeah, call it Penn. Yeah. That okay. That it's is faster. So... Pennsylvania is a lot of syllables, and it takes a long time to say. Okay. So. Okay. Whew. All right. Sorry. I, I was not <laughs> in the know. I wasn't in the know. I ain't go to those schools. Okay. So. Okay. Got it. And yeah. uh, but so that's so, a great cause. I think right. that's fair. She and was just. like, if if these places are gonna say we won't serve black Penn students, they shouldn't serve any Penn students. <laughs> and he was like, no, that's dumb. I'm not gonna do that. And. The, she also Asshole. was on a, a crusade for women's rights. Uh, yes. A number of the classes at the university were only available for men. What? No. I know. I mean, not yeah. surprising, How? but god damn it. Yeah. So, so, uh, she, so she enlisted another female classmate, one of her good friends. She said, we're just going to go sit in one of the classes. Yes. So they got there early. They sat down. They were getting comfy. And then when the professor arrived, he just announced that he did not teach women and wouldn't teach until they left. <gasps> Did they stay or did they leave? No, they had to leave. He wouldn't teach the class while they were in the room. They should have stayed. Sit so in. they turned the whole class Sit on in. them. It's right. Like, oh, that's not cool. He's using the power of the mass. Right. I just, like, that's so recent for a professor to just be like, I do not teach women. Did it say what the <laughs> class was, too? Was it like a class about penises Women or studies. It did. It was women's <laughs> studies. <laughs> it didn't say what the class was. <laughs> That's oh <hilarious>. my goodness. <laughs> she ended up finishing her bachelor's degree a year early um, because. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because <laughs> she was sick of eating off campus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't do this anymore. And she was no, obviously was, a brilliant genius. She was a brilliant genius, and she said she did it because her grandfather was paying the tuition, which was $175 a semester. Let's just look at the inflation oh. rate there. Um, oh, man. And her grandfather was in that. poor health, and uh, oh. the family was spending a lot of money taking care of him, and she wanted to ease the financial burden. So she was like, I'll just do it a year early. Wow. Wowza. Amazing. Uh, uh, what a broad. Holy shit. I know, right? So, so then she earned her master's, and then she earned her doctorate all in economics in 1921. Holy shit. Those are like male dominated fields too. I know, right? In the twenties. Stop it. Twenty one. Not just the twenties. Yeah. Twenty one. That's when she got that's when she got her PhD. So Damn. Her wow. her bachelor's was in nineteen fifteen. Wow. That's fast. I know. Whew. So her, her doctoral dissertation was called The Standard of Living Among One Hundred Negro Migrant Families in Philadelphia. Wow. Tell it. She was just like, let's let's start this process. Let's mm -hmm. talk about it. Let's talk about the the prospects for black families financially who moved here from wherever they moved here from. Wow. Uh, but then after graduating, you, you might or might not find this surprising. Uh, she had a very difficult time finding work in her field. <laughs> uh, she applied she to all the insurance companies in Philadelphia, but none of them were hiring black people. So she eventually found work at a black-owned insurance company in North Carolina and had to move to North Carolina for work. Wow. Well, Pennsylvania, um, you suck. Right? 
Uh, she ended up working there for two years and described this period of time as incredibly isolating. She didn't really know anyone. She faced even more discrimination because she was discriminated against by white people in North Carolina and black people in North Carolina who didn't like that she was from the North. Mm. Why? So wait, as a woman too, or just, is it all the above? Is it like... All the above, yeah. Oh. It's it's being black, it's being a woman. So she just like, nobody really was nice to her. She filled, fulfilled in her time writing letters to her old school friend, Raymond Pace Alexander, who she then married in 1923 after moving back to Philadelphia. Well, that's uh, good. She found a, a partner. Yeah. For the first year of their marriage, she stayed in Philadelphia while he was finishing his law degree at Harvard. And while he was there, she was like, you know, if I can't really get work as an economist, economist, in economy, economics. You had it. You had it right. Okay. One of those. One of those was right. (laughs) If I can't if I can't get work in this field. Economist. economist. And my husband is going to go be at law school. I could be a lawyer. And so she decides to go to law school. <laughs> she's already a doctorate. And she's like, I'm going to go to University of Pennsylvania Law School, where her father was the first black man to graduate. In 1924, she becomes the first black woman to attend. Oh, wow. I In 1925, it. she helps found the National Bar Association, which is the oldest and largest national network of African-American attorneys and judges. Yes! And then in 1927, she graduates with honors and becomes the first black woman to participate, or no, to practice law in Pennsylvania. Yes! The first black woman to practice law in Pennsylvania. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. God damn! (laughs) That family legacy holding strong. Yep. So then she and Raymond uh, start their own law firm together, known as Alexander and Alexander. You better! Yeah. Lawyers love naming firms with their own family names heck yeah that's how it's done and we that's got what both you do that's what you do we, we both got the same name because we're married are they brothers no i bet husband I bet they and got wife that. Oh, husband definitely. and wife tell a wife, wife and, and husband, husband. Yeah, wife first that's right <laughs> and around this time there was an incident featuring all of them at a, a local theater that prompted them to sort of double down their efforts in civil rights and like change the court, not necessarily change the course, but like they started focusing more heavily on fighting civil rights causes in law because uh, they wanted to take another couple to go see a play at the Schubert Theater. And they had Raymond's friend who passed for white go buy the tickets early. And then uh, Sadie picks up the story from here. She says... When we got to the theater, they told us there was some mistake. Uh, These tickets were no good, and where did we find them? (laughs) So we were quite persistent, and each one of us started to speak with uh, what little foreign language we were able to handle, and it was quite amusing. The manager didn't know what we were speaking, and he finally said, they're not N-words. And then he offered us a box, and we pretended we didn't want a box. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! That's one of the greatest fuck yous I've ever heard of in the face of racism. Uh, They started speaking in foreign languages that they spoke and confused Uh. the manager. And so the manager, oh my God, I love it. Yeah. He's like, I I guess they're not black people. I'm going to have to use that one. Right? Yeah. I knew knew you'd love that. I know some languages. Right. It doesn't even have to be real. They'll just assume it is. (laughs) That is so awesome. 
Yeah. And then they didn't um, take the box seat. <laughs> right. Yeah. They were like, no, we're not interested, actually. Sorry. Thanks. In, in perfect English without an accent? <laughs> probably. Uh, probably. Actually, we've changed our mind. <laughs> so after this, she and her husband started filing these lawsuits challenging segregation in schools, theaters, and restaurants across Philadelphia. Wow snaps if only they had cameras you know if only they could selfie record that shit happening like I, when i think i think of moments like that i'm like yo what if that was live Ugh. well today if that happens there would be a friend off in the corner just recording exactly. it, posting on tiktok yeah you going viral yo you going viral <laughs> i mean that's yeah but hey times change that's true So in 1946, she served on President Harry S. Truman's Committee on Civil Rights, um, and the findings were made public in 1947. They just did all this research, and it prompted Truman to start calling for policies and laws, uh, like civil rights laws, like 20 years before civil rights. Uh, Most of them didn't end up happening, but he asked for them to happen. Um, He One of the the biggest ones, he he called for a federal law outlawing lynching. Is this Truman, uh, you said? Yeah, Truman. Uh, but the law was filibustered by politicians from the South. How shocking. And I know, right? <laughs> That's so shocking. The South didn't want an anti-lynching I know, right? I, uh, just, I was curious after, after reading that, like, well, did we ever get an anti-lynching law? And we still don't have one. Nope. We almost had one last year. Yes, and uh, then the, but, and then the GOP shut it down. It was it was literally just Rand Paul from Kentucky who was just like, "We don't need it. It's it's unnecessary. We don't need an anti-lynching law." In fact, I think the anti-lynching law that all of the black congressmen wrote is doesn't go far enough and will actually serve to throw white people who merely bruised someone into jail. Yeah. And then Cory Booker and Kamala Harris were like, what the fuck? And they like lambasted him. It was awesome. Like the, the footage of them lecturing wow. all their white colleagues mm. is really fantastic. And that was before Kamala Harris was this, our vice president. Right. That was back when she was just a senator. Just a senator from California. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, yeah. uh, it's pretty upsetting, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, her committee also caused Truman to call for more effective protection of the right to vote everywhere in the country. Yes. Uh, a law against poll taxes and an end to discrimination in interstate travel. Uh, most Was that of these all the same law, or were these all separate? Um, these are all just separate things that he called for. But they didn't happen yet? They didn't happen. Not really. Most of them didn't happen until the 60s, if they happened at Dang, all. Dang, so she was really like laying the groundwork for what was to come later in the Civil Rights Movement. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's setting legal precedent yeah. for wow. it by working with the president and being it, like, this is what we need. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, but the committee was successful in desegregating the federal workforce and the armed forces in 1948. Fuck yeah. Uh, in 1970... Sadie is invited to join Phi Beta Kappa, which is the oldest academic society in the United States. It was founded in 1776. Holy shit. And it recognizes excellence in liberal arts and sciences and freedom of thought. And she described this day as the second happiest day of her life, with the first happiest being the day she received her PhD and was interviewed from reporters all over the world. Wow. They got some secrets how what 1775 1776 the year Se- america was founded 1776 yeah i want to go in their vault 
I want to go in their vault. They got secrets. And Definitely. they put a new thought. They knew about yeah. the iPhone before anybody knew about the iPhone. <laughs> They're like even older than the DAR probably. They just were like, we're going to, we're going to wreck honor the the smartest and best in our country and i i don't know how many i didn't look up how many black people were permitted in there before this but the fact that sadie was this accomplished and wasn't invited until 1970 uh is pretty telling right Damn yeah. wallet, right? no kidding right i wonder who else on that list who else is in that club <laughs> it's probably just a bunch of white dudes it's like you thomas know. jefferson <laughs> definitely he's 100 percent. i bet he's in there <laughs> um, in 1978, Sadie is appointed the chairperson of the White House Conference on Aging by Jimmy Carter. Sweet, I just always sweet want to mention Jimmy Carter. <laughs> always want to mention Jimmy Carter. Except he wasn't at the inauguration. I'm worried about. Oh, him. I know. Well, a lot of people didn't go. But usually, the presidents go. The former That's presidents true. go. That's true. I'm worried about um, Sweet Jimmy Carter. But this podcast <laughs> isn't about Sweet Jimmy Carter. So. No, no. Um, he's just a frequent cool guest star. Though. He's just right. a frequent guest, like mentioned. Yeah, he's mentioned a lot because he honored a lot of the broads that we covered. I think y'all should do a special on dudes you should know, just like just you know, an honorary episode. Yeah, what feminists or shit, you know? No, you know. All right, <laughs> I don't have space for dudes <laughs> in my heart. I, not not to say they can't accomplish anything, but we just don't celebrate it's for them a here. different podcast feed. They oh yeah, maybe we can start a separate podcast. Yeah. yeah, there you go. For allies, to, hi- I, to highlight allies. And I, I'd still call it a sister podcast. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. You can finish your story. Okay. <laughs> We're right at the end. Uh, she dies on November 1st, 1989 from complications with pneumonia and Alzheimer's. Hundreds of media outlets pay homage to her death. And then in September 2001, uh, a K-8 school with her name opens in Philadelphia. How old was she? 89? Wow. She was pretty old. She was uh, 91, I yes. believe. Good. Or 92. She made it a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She uh, she lived quite a while. Wow. And and that's Sadie Tanner Mossel Alexander, who Ooh. I believe is definitely a broad we should know. Hell she yeah. She's trailblazing up in here. Yeah. Hell the I'm fuck yeah. Name. I remember that. Yeah. And there there's so many more stories of, like, specifically instances of discrimination that she, like rebelled against and it makes the story more impressive but also i don't want to spend too much time focusing on like the struggles because she was able to accomplish despite all of that yeah she just kind of kept plugging away yeah she reminds me of some of the other broads we've talked about where they just are like you know what racism fucking sucks but i'm just gonna keep doing my business and just show them what's what and she just she just did i love that so yeah amazing tanner I Marcel love her. Alexander. She's she's amazing. Thank you, Sadie. Thank you, Sadie, for paving the way. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Broads You Should Know. Please give us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the podcast, helps other people learn about these amazing women so that you're not the only one. Don't hog the glory. Um, and head to broadsyoushouldknow.com to check out our database of broads and to submit a potential broad if you think we should cover someone we haven't. And we will be back next week with another broad you should know. <laughs>